0: I can't score for no. love the money. No. Uh, I'm just doing a test.
1: Is that right? Well, talk. We're, we're, we're talking about yeah. terrible what football. You, what are you testing? I'm testing the levels test. at which you speak, ah. um, Andrew. The
2: level at which I speak will be different today because I, I am ill. Yes. So oh, I really? Wrong. Really? Uh, well, there's three potential culprits who've, given me, who've brought me to earth. One is Kate. I was, was going to say, there are three Ill. around the table. Uh, Ed. We're not sure whether Kate got it from Ed. So I've got it from Kate. She might have got it from Ed. She might have got it from her dad, who's had a cough for like a month. Or Rosie came round a few weeks ago, saying, "Oh, I've been really ill the last few days, but I'm better now." Honest. When anybody <laughs> who knows anything about illness knows that that is when you do not see people. Yeah. That is when you are most likely bodily flu- fluids hanging about. Spasmed everywhere. Oh that uh, yeah, <laughs> that's nice a problem. Hi, nice to see you. Yeah. So oh, it, that's it. on your face. It yeah. sort of Friday. I was. I started to feel a bit. Ropy. Well, for your, ahead of your trip to Scotland. Ahead of my trip to Scotland. Splendid. Oh, so I had to sort of wander cloth-headed around Glasgow. You are the, You're the only the person
1: best. who's ever described themselves as being cloth-headed, but you also describe yourself as cloth-headed every time.
2: I t- generally feel slightly less less than sharp. Yeah. That's why.
1: It, is that why you decided to engage with Piers Morgan and having a Twitter argument? A spat. A social media spat.
2: I... i missed this. No, so Piers tweeted something about the New York Times making money off um off Trump. We we announced our um quarterly report or something the other day, which is the subscriber base had gone up massively and and Piers Morgan tweeted saying like, proof again that, you know, criticising Trump equals money dollar 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 dollar. And I, I just tweeted him out saying, Do you think it's feasible that anyone in the future might somehow boost their own career by going on about how much they know him and like him uh, <laughs> Which Piers then decided was wrong, because apparent, apparently 50% of his of his tr- coverage of Trump is, is critical. Oh, really? Which it may well be. I, I do not read that's, Piers Morgan when <laughs> he is being, being critical or otherwise of anyone. Um, but he his view was that you can't... The New York Times is biased because 90% of the coverage of Trump is negative, and I would suggest that that's because 90% of the things that Trump does are negative, rather than because we're seeking out...
1: Or need to be held to account in yeah, some way. In some
2: way, yeah uh but yeah i i realized that about halfway through that i don't have time to be involved in a twitter argument with space Morden because is he w- he doesn't stop he no doesn't. he will outlast you so you that's to, how he'll you, win you have to find a way to to kill it Th- there are no winners in that situation no everyone comes out a it of a loser yeah quite a lot, Well at least, at least half the participants go into it a loser <laughs> the um yeah so yeah but it's, that's the way with twitter i think recently yeah that's happened to me a few times you just realize that you just can't it it unless you've got all day to to commit to it then
1: you, you, I think I think he he does his show and then he goes back to his house I imagine which is palatial and then just him, yeah. then just picks fights with people the uh, busiest, for the rest of the day
3: the busiest my twitter has ever been mm. and it isn't very often busy at all was when i made a point about david ba- i think he was playing for psg at the time and during the first half of the champions league game he was playing in for psg he'd covered more ground than anybody else a point i made perfectly innocently yeah, on fine. twitter yeah. For some reason, quite a few people retweeted this Mm. and tagged Piers Morgan in because he had been critical of David Beckham still being on the periphery of the England squad, etc. I'm still listening. And he was raging about the fact that somebody would be giving David Beckham credit for having had a relatively active (laughs) 45 minutes in the Champions League. (laughs) Well, there's quite a lot
0: of smoke coming out of the oven. How dare you credit someone for something they're actually doing? Extraordinary.
1: That you can prove via...
0: Evidence, numerical evidence. When's that ever been the right? Is that important to
1: you, Andrew? Numerical evidence. Very, very important indeed. This is Set Piece Many, the podcast where four friends talk football over food. Sorry. Let me try that again. This is the award-nominated set-piece menu, the podcast where four friends talk football over food. If we had a live studio audience, there'd Mm. be a huge reaction to that. Uh, As it is, we're being a little bit quiet because Ed is sleeping in the other room. Uh, On the day that the 100th proper episode, brilliantly titled Episode 101, because we're too disorganised to put plans for our centenary in place, someone decided to recognise that... Disorganisation. The Football Supporters Federation are a very important, extraordinarily high-profile institution in the game. Who each year celebrate those who represent the very best of football in their annual awards. And we have been shortlisted in the best potter podcast category. And we have been shortlisted in the best podcast category. Now, normally, it wouldn't be so hubristic to mention this kind of national, probably international acclaim, but it just so happens that the winner will be determined. By votes. So just like at least half of America has been saying for the last few weeks get out and vote. That will annoy Piers Morgan at the very least. Uh, well you don't actually have to get out but you do have to vote. Either follow the link on our Twitter. We have done and will be putting it out a lot I promise. And I'll get Steve to pin it to the top of the SPM profile as well if he hasn't done already. Uh,
3: it, it is about the, the amount of skill I have on social media <laughs> oh, that I, I will be able to do
1: that. Yes, uh, Yes, pin to profile or you can simply Google FSF Awards and you can follow the links very simple now I don't want to be pessimistic but we're up against some industry behemoths Uh, the other nominees are either aligned to national newspapers or broadcasters or big production companies they are very much the overdogs Hmm. but we believe in you (laughs) and more importantly, your ability to bully those people that you do know that don't know about us and really don't care into giving us your vote. The deadline is the 19th of November. So Google FSF Awards or follow the links to the voting page uh, via our uh, Set Piece Menu Twitter page or the internet. Click on Set Piece Menu in the podcast category. You can also vote in any of the other categories too if you'd like to, but it's probably best you boycott the writer, commentator and pundit sections because they don't contain Rory, Steve or Chinch.
0: But the bigger they are... The harder they will fall.
1: <laughs> okay, thank you. To
0: our mighty podcast. That's
1: that's yeah, that's true. That's something that we should say. Size in the mirror, doesn't every
0: always matter, Hugh. It
1: doesn't. Five at eight, Andy Hinchcliffe. Thank you. Um, so uh, the other thing I need to mention, which is maybe news to the three of you, is that there are only two tickets to the awards ceremony.
3: I had become aware of this and realised so, it might create some friction.
1: Where is the awards ceremony? In that there, London. Really? On December the. Th- Third, okay. now, shall we do Scissors, Paper, Stone?
0: Who,
1: who would be the most deserving of our foursome who would be for a trip to the capital? The most stellar, people, you know, magnet in the room type person.
0: Rory. Rory. So he's just a given. So Rory so basically, and Kate are going. Rory yes. and
1: Kate are going. Um, so we'll have to decide um, after we have nailed what Rory has just presented to us on this table, um, who, who will actually go to the do. Uh, Rory, would you like to explain this, this, this pizza on. extravaganza? I
2: need to clarify something. I can't leave the house ever, so it's not me and Kate. We, we've got a thing to look after. Oh, a thing. Little blonde thing.
1: I was going to say, is Hector not going to be allowing you to Well, he- I mean, Hector wants to go, obviously. <laughs> Can it be Rory and Hector leave to uh, leave Kate That with? would be amazing. Or, you didn't mean your wife is the blonde thing. No,
2: I meant Edward is the blonde, the blonde Does thing. Does Hector have a tuxedo? Hector's always wearing a tuxedo. He's, he's a black crocker Spaniel. He looks smart. Excellent.
1: Uh, this is pizza? This is pizza. I was meant to put some ham on it. Do you want some ham on it? Ham on. Ham on it. It. No, it's a paella. Is it a pizza? we need to we, good we, lord we ma'am. are an audio medium this is one of the things that makes us award winning
0: do winning. you want some ham
1: put some ham on Let's put some, I'll
0: get some ham, put some, put some ham oh on. it's not that you're regretting you're just actually trying to tell yes, the people right. out there what we're eating Got so you.
1: joining me Hugh Ferris are Rory Smith our writer of the year Steve Wyeth our commentator of the year and Andy Hinchcliffe who ran Danny Higginbottom very closely oh. and our pundit of the year uh, please do get in touch with the podcast um, you can vote for us as well do that first, then get in touch with the podcast via at setpiecemenu on Twitter, setpiecemenu at gmail.com. Or you can, of course, continue the conversation on Facebook. Just search Set Piece Menu. Here comes the ham on. Thank you to all of you who have got in touch to say that you have already voted for us. It genuinely is you folks who do uh, what a very costly PR company would do if you didn't. Uh, so thank you. Uh, Colin Boucher, by the way, who is a regular part of the Twitter conversation, um, mentioned to Rory that he considers us the Roger Federer of podcasts, which, of course, to Rory is an insult, to every other living human being is an incredible compliment. Noted Buffalo, Mark Cole, thought Tim Hemman was actually more fitting when considering us and the race for this award. Uh, Ziggy Play Guitar on Twitter says, you got my vote this year for podcast of the year. Why? Because you are different and go deeper into the issues that the others don't. And then he kind of ruins it by saying, keep it up, Steve. Um, And also to our Wikipedia editor, Guy Fraser, who has added an award section to our page, which is outstanding. Thank you, Guy, who has also added the subject of last week's conversation to the page uh, that he has set up about... A sliding doors moment. It says, under the heading Uses, a roundtable discussion on the Set Piece Menu podcast on how football history may have changed if certain key moments have gone differently, such as England's 1966 World Cup victory, masking wider deficiencies in the post-war state of English football, and the seemingly opportunistic 1992 signing of Eric Cantona by the then-Manchester United manager, Sir Alex Ferguson, comma, amongst others. Uh, So thank you, Guy, for continuing a joke that you indeed uh, started. Um, Talking of which, Worry was right. We have had a lot of suggestions um, for a what-if moment in football history. Uh, Lots of you, including Samuel L. Junkson and Limaro on Twitter. I don't want to speculate as to why he might have called himself that. Not Limaro, the other one. Uh, Suggested, what if Dennis Bergkamp had scored the penalty in the FA Cup semi-final in 1999?
2: Uh, what if indeed? What if? What if there would have been, have been probably
1: no treble?
2: You, I find that I sound more sort of respectable what, with how, this with this voice. What,
1: what, You've what, got I'm for respectable I'm... rather than sensual.
2: No, I don't. I don't think I. No one from Leeds has ever been described as sounding sensual. Well, clothed, Take your clothes off. See? The um. Keep talking. I, I think. Well, United wouldn't, wouldn't have won the treble.
1: And that
3: was a seminal moment in. Montreal. that was a say, was that it is kind of the bar, isn't it? Was it an, an impossible deficit to have come back from.
2: No, but it was a really good Arsenal team, wasn't it? And perhaps because they <laughs> they hadn't won the treble, maybe you know that stirring comeback in in Barcelona yep. wouldn't have happened, and then you wouldn't have the, the ultimate high bar for kind of great Premier League teams of the Premier League era. So that was, that was indeed a big, that was a big moment.
1: Uh, cold November, Graham, and a. Oh, that's brilliant. A buffalo. That
2: is a great reference to a great song.
1: Perrin Dixon mentioned Newcastle's twelve-point lead in 1996 as well. But was what that, if they hadn't lost that twelve-point lead? What would have happened to Newcastle there?
2: Well, I guess the, the more precise "what if" moment there is: what if they'd won at Anfield? What if if that twenty hadn't happened? Crazy four-three. Yeah. Does that that was the moment really the title went? Wasn't it?
3: I think Perrin Dixon is a Newcastle fan, so indeed. perhaps
2: this is something that runs a little bit deep so for I would, him. I would from individual say that point if, of... if they had won that game and won the title Newcastle would have established a dynasty to span a thousand years <laughs> or it could just be that it would be the argument as to why Newcastle is a big club because they have won Premier
3: League trophy
1: never ever say that Chinch isn't an opportunist because he has taken this opportunity of us chatting to have at least no, four I was, slices of pizza listen I was
0: listening I was just crunching <laughs> on the crust of the garlic bread whilst listening to some in-depth conversation is the Dalet, which
2: I really enjoy is the garlic flatbread slightly overcooked
0: no I, I like it Crispy okay. We did hear the crunch Chinch Absolutely. Did absolutely right. oh. uh,
1: To complete the Manchester United theme Andrew Davis emailed About the Mark Robbins goal Against Forrest in the FA Cup yeah. in 1990 Now the rumours are That Manchester United Would have sacked Sir Alex Ferguson If that hadn't happened Bobby Charlton Who was on the Board of Directors At that time Is adamant Consistently And repetitively Adamant That that wouldn't Have happened but certainly it was a pivotal moment.
2: It was a pivotal moment, and although they might not have sacked, sacked Ferdi for losing that game and going out of the cup, winning the cup certainly brought him time. It then led, obviously, to the, to the Cup Winners' Cup winning in 91. And also, you don't know what the, the knock-on effect would have been had they not won that game. They might have drawn on, the form, form in the lead might have suffered even more than it was at the time from memory. So, yeah, that, that was a turning point, even if it's technically tr- true to say they would not have sacked him for losing that game. Do we have our own sliding
0: doors moments? Because imagine if we weren't all sat here producing, I say producing, you're doing all the producing here, this award-nominated podcast. <laughs> Are there, could, is there a tree you could have fell out of when you were younger?
1: Well, if you didn't fall out with uh, BBC Radio Manchester at a crucial moment in your nascent punditry career, yeah, uh, no, none of this would have happened because I wouldn't have plucked you from the streets. Well, what about homeless, you as well? Steve's Steve's career. are there things well, what, are there things it could have gone very differently. I would for say my
2: my sliding doors moment was that Savo Milosevic thing.
1: Which we haven't got time to no. cover, unfortunately. Oh, I I don't don't have time and mine
2: it. was
3: getting a place at Manchester University, even though I didn't get anywhere near the actual grades I was required <laughs> to get a place at Manchester <laughs> University. What, what happened? Clearing picked up the phone is this going to be okay I know you said something about lots of A's and B's but there's there's a C in there
1: Are are we going to be cool and they, they were. Do we have any stories about success that brought us here, or are they all about failure?
2: <laughs> failure and just blind good fortune.
1: John Wood has emailed before, and he's got on again because he has some good content, uh, which is to be encouraged. The topic for the last episode was a really interesting one. That is essentially what I think is good content, when somebody is very kind about the podcast. What if Gerard hadn't slipped against Chelsea in Liverpool's title push? You may all remember in season 2013-14. Would they have been able to keep the likes of Suarez and Sterling and build on that success, or would it have been more similar to Leicester's title win with those top players being poached? Anyway, on another note, I think this will be my fourth email read out. At what stage is Buffalo status achieved? Not this stage, John. Enjoying the pod, as always, from John. Yeah, that's that's actually
3: a really good one, because
1: that's yeah. a, a very, very
3: specific moment at not just a... a crucial point of the season but a critical point in the game yeah. from which recovery or, or a, a change in the situation would have been almost
2: unachievable. Well Chelsea were not trying to score in that game No, that, that's fairly well established Liverpool until that point had basically had the ball for 45 minutes uh, Chelsea were not trying to get it off them. I would like to think that Liverpool might have realised at some point they didn't actually need to try and win the game and just pass the ball around to to nil-nil get the point they need you then end up going to Palace, and not needing to win by lots of goals. So to to Ball doesn't happen, uh, and then I, I can't remember who they had, who they had in the last day of the season. I think it was they were they were at Anfield. I was at Norwich versus Arsenal uh, when Norwich were relegated. That was a tragic day. <laughs> uh, n- they've, no they've, more drives up the A11. Very yeah, sad. They've never got over that. Have uh, the yeah, Liverpool won the lead. Uh, I don't think they met, I think Suarez was still a left. I think Suarez, in fact, probably would have would have left on the grounds that. He just, you know, he would have rightly said he, I would, did, he delivered I've, what he was. I've done, was the, jo- I've done the job it. here. I want to go to Barcelona. Uh, Sterling, possibly the same. Uh, I think the main difference is Brendan Rodgers would probably still be in charge of Liverpool because he would have essentially had a job for as long as he wanted. it I would have thought, having won the lead. Well, again, the same as you know, we were
3: talking about Newcastle.
2: He would have actually yep. have had a Premier League trophy rather than. Very nearly a Premier League trophy.
0: It'll be interesting to hear from fans of clubs to what are their, what's their sliding moment, yeah. for you just their asking, time support. Everybody, everybody, I'm opening this conversation out because this is all really good stuff, and you come all these precise things. But let's let's involve the listener. Is this <laughs> maybe a bit more? This, yeah, this so ten just minutes. Just throwing things out there. You know the last ten yes, minutes when just you were keep eating,
1: saying Yeah, when you were eating. Yeah. <laughs> when you were chatting. Yeah. with the listeners because of the correspondence having opened it up to them.
0: Yeah, I listened to some of the correspondence. Right, some okay. of it was really good.
1: A lot of Bristol Rovers fans, by the way, sending us up the gas. A correspondent after last week. Sure. Uh, Dean Bookman, remember him from last week? He's got in touch again after you remember he wrote in to tell us about supporting Arsenal because his granddad told him he'd scored <laughs> 1,000 goals yeah. uh, for them. Dear Steve, Andy, the other one, and Rory, uh, thank you for reading my Don <laughs> Bowles... B- That's my new favourite type uh, of introduction to a letter. Thank you for reading my Don Bowles-based myth and he puts myth in inverted commas, which is...
3: <laughs> so, is this to suggest he's making it up rather than his granddad?
2: Lies no. upon lies. No, the fact that we called it oh, right, okay. a
1: myth I think is his uh, real beef here. I failed to mention in my last email that my uncle... Keith Brookman was the editor of the Bristol Rovers Matchday programme for around 40 years until this season in fact and my old man Neil Brookman uh, was club photographer you can actually Google this. So after reflecting on the fact that the gas have the best badge, I'm still a gunner because even if it's not true, you can't prove Bolsey wrong. Genuinely, my mum adored the fact you spoke about her dad. Uh, kind regards, Dean. And then he sent another email saying, by the way, did actually Google it. It was 21 years, not 40. <laughs> so he's debunking his own myth on this occasion at the very least.
2: I know, in the journalistic sense, which means have spoken to once or twice, Keith, Keith Brookman. You know Keith? I know Keith. Because well, you I spoke to Keith. the
1: guy who did the Bristol Rovers uh, no, Day program t- for around 40 21 years he was
2: the media guy ah. was he was very helpful I love Bristol Rovers
1: up the gas and up Keith uh, P.S. says Dean I run a pub in Bath the Pult Arms with my wife and my mum if you want to come away it'll be incredible to host you so that's nice so another an possible of live show destination yes. yeah. um, and finally thank you uh, to all your uh, team name shout outs um, because of the Hearts of Oak mention that Rory made. We'll get to some more of those next week, uh, so keep sending them in, but just a couple for now. Firstly, from Carl Carpenter, who, like Dean, gets on for a second show in a row. I'm getting very soft, but mainly because he nominates the Cape Coast Mysterious Dwarfs, who are actually in the same league as the Hearts of Oak. They are a Ghanaian team, and in fact, Rory's boss, Andy Das, emailed to say, not to cross Rory, but Hearts of Oak might be only the fourth best name in the Ghana Premier League, and he has attached a current league table. Um, Some of them are excellent. The Elmina Sharks. There's one just called Dreams. (laughs) Dreams. <laughs> I think it's absolutely fantastic. Set is he not just thrown a Fleetwood, Fleetwood Mac album in there by accident? <laughs> setpiecemenu at gmail.com at setpiecemenu or facebook.com forward slash setpiecemenu. Has everybody finished their pizza? No. Because no it's way, my no. turn to eat. You know, I don't our award-worthy chat today will involve three voices a little bit more than mine. Um, it was actually prompted in our minds by a what-if email that came in from CB. Uh, they suggested three in total, one of which is... What if that Aguero goal didn't go in against QPR? It's not too much of a contrivance, hopefully, to suggest that that brings us nicely onto our subject, which is this. Are Manchester City ruining it for everyone? that title in 2012 may not have necessarily brought about the immediate dominance that many expected. The road to that has not been unbroken, but with a third Premier League win with records galore last season and the prospect of Pep sticking around very much more than he has elsewhere and the future promise of millions of pounds, is it upon us now and is it ruining it for everyone? Now, we all live in Manchester. We all know City fans, even though none of us are one ourselves, but let's put their point of view forward straight away. No, it isn't. Don't be ridiculous. Also, disclaimer, I do some work for City on match days. I've mentioned it before. I'll say what I say to everyone. I've always been massively selfish in assessing my enjoyment of my work. If a team doing well helps me and my bank balance, I'm fine with it. So with those two slightly simplistic views out of the way, over to the providers of nuance in this debate, which are Andy Hinchcliffe, Roy Smith, Steve Wyeth, I'm having pizza.
2: I think ruining it is maybe, this is my fault, this was kind of my suggestion, but... This is and a you're backpedalling violently now no, from so from an off-air conversation. I've also talked about this uh, to to other podcasts that what? I occasionally a- whoa, guest whoa, whoa, whoa. on. What the Anfield Rap, which is a Liverpool podcast, he means uh, non award podcast nominated. Podcast. Right. They right. win, they win lots of awards. The Anfield Rap. Yeah. Anyway, they, they are friends of mine. They won't and now. The we did, we had this discussion, uh, and it's something I've been thinking about a lot since I watched City beat Spurs on the Jacksonville Jaguars' home turf of Wembley. In fact, you, Chintz, you did the game. So yes. I just switched my mic off yeah. so you didn't you didn't catch me sniggering. The game wasn't,
0: wasn't great, but the the commentary was fine. Was, it really was. the,
2: yeah. And I, I was watching that game, and it just occurred to me that I was kind of existentially bored. Not because I resent Man City's success, not because I don't enjoy watching Man City. It wasn't a great performance to no. the pitch. Uh, it wasn't a great performance from Spurs, either, particularly. But it was that sense that this was... One of probably five or six games over the whole course of the season where you could possibly conceive of Man City dropping points. And that is to City's enormous credit and that is to Guardiola's enormous credit and the players' credit and the way the club's run's credit. But it just sets a bar that's so high that I'm not sure anyone will be able to keep pace with them over the course of the year. I think it's realistic to think City will get 100 points again this season. They've only dropped four points so far. That's because Willy Bolly handballed it and because Riyad maras missed a penalty. There are other instances you could easily say that Eric Lamella should have scored against City at Wembley. They would have then dropped six points. So, you know, that is how football works. But there have been very few chinks in their armour scene. Uh, they got 100 points last season, won it at a canter. They could do the same again, despite the fact that Liverpool and Chelsea, Spurs and Arsenal are all having record breaking, record equaling record pace setting starts to the season it's it's astonishing those those four clubs are in touch with city that's extraordinary that all of them have kept, managed to keep pace with a team that is not showing any weakness and it just occurred to me that it's fine at the moment and last season when city won the lead we all appreciated their greatness and i think a lot of people non-city fans were, were felt privileged to watch a team that good and i think if they repeat the trick this season or go further in the champions league or whatever you will have the same response my question is a little bit further down the line At what point do fans of the teams that they're smashing week in, week out turn off? At what point do fans of the other contenders get a little bit kind of dejected by the pace that they're setting? At what point does a lot of the interest, the intrigue, the drama of the Premier League become essentially asphyxiated by having this one extraordinary team? And the best parallel, I guess, is Bayern in Germany, who have the sort of hegemony that City now have in England. But the thing that separates the two, I think, is that with Bayern, there is always the chance that mm-hmm. they will blow up. Mm-hmm. And we saw it with the Ruminidja Hurnas and Sally press conference, which was a real... When Bayern called the press together to complain about fake news, which was a real kind of throwback to the days of FC Hollywood yeah. and Mario Basler going on strike. And, you know, Bayern would suddenly not win in five because Stefan Effenberg had set fire to the dressing room or something. And there is always the chance with Bayern that that will happen. There is that... that slight aura at the club, that there's so many egos clashing, that it could could all go wrong. And I've always kind of thought of that as the that's the penance buy and pay to make sure the Bundesliga has some interest in it. That there is the chance at the start of the season that they could go wrong. And that gives Dortmund or Schalke or whoever, Wolfsburg or Stuttgart or whoever, a chance. City are, from a competitive point of view, they have the most money, that's fine. they have or They also have the best players and the best manager, and they are the best run, basically. There's probably other clubs Liverpool maybe would have the or Bournemouth or whoever would would have an argument to say they're well run as well but City are run basically pr- pretty perfectly they don't make mistakes they've got the best youth system they've got all the best facilities they have so much of the best that no one can compete them w- with them there is no weakness and after a while a lack of weakness becomes uninteresting that's, that's my case not that they're yeah. ruining the Premier League but they are sapping the potential mm-hmm. for drama out of it.
1: The premise, by the way, is just completely petulant and childish in a way of inspiring debate, not because we actually think anything is being ruined. But um, be, no, and also we, we don't resent
2: just, City for yes, it. No. Just it's I just, just the, 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 the knock-on effects of it.
3: If there is an imperfection to be found, there's much more admiration to be found in success as a consequence. Mm. It just feels as though what is happening is exactly what should be happening.
0: This is what City planned yeah. for.
3: If, if, if C- City... Should we really be celebrating City putting five slash six goals past Huddersfield, Cardiff and Southampton as they already have done so this season? Because surely that is just a fair reflection of the gulf between not just the two sets of players, but the clubs as a whole. Anything less than that would be an underachievement. Mm. And actually the the outlying results that City have had this season are only beating Newcastle 2-1, only beating Brighton 2-0... That's where the inquest should be. How did City not win more comfortably rather than an inquest about whether Huddersfield, Cardiff or Southampton are capable of competing in the Premier League? Because those score lines, if everything plays out as it should, are simply a, f- a fair reflection of what you would anticipate having.
0: Mm. And also, you were talking there about it's incredible that teams like Chelsea and Liverpool are actually keeping pace with City, even though the underlying performance City are way ahead. And I agree with you, I think they will beat 100 points. They might not score as many goals, but they will win the title, I feel, by double figures. But Liverpool and Chelsea will do incredibly well. Are they going to benefit, though, from seeing... If, if we talk about City as being perfection, is it close to being that there isn't anything obviously wrong at the moment It's only going to get better over time because it's a relatively young squad as well, so this could still improve. The teams below them that are trying to keep pace with them, are they presumably watching what City are doing and say, we have to replicate that? We can't, we haven't got the money, we can't bring the players in that City can, but we can try and do it in that way. But then the problem is, if you have maybe a fabulous team like City and then three or four teams that are doing it the City way underneath them, then you get five or six teams. The, The Premier League isn't a competition now. It's only going to get worse and worse for the teams below the top six because of how the top six or top five are doing it so City leading the way in how football should be
2: run and played mm. I think if you look at the, the games that the top five you have to kind of remove United from it United have been a bit, a bit of an outlier this season if you look at the games the top five have played against the, the teams in the rest of the league apart from Man United they have something like played 35 131 Drawn three, lost one. Watford mm. beating beating yeah. Spurs. That's not the Premier League as as it advertises itself. That's yeah. not how we think of the Premier League, and it's it's something that you can that you can maintain and sustain for a while. The problem, I think, comes when it's 2020 and we're having the same conversation. And City have won it by even if they've not hit 100 points or three years in a row. They are winning the title by 10, 15 points. Constantly, yeah. And you yeah. can't see anybody challenging them. Mm. And you can't see any reason that that things will go wrong. I, I had a conversation with someone yesterday about what happens if Zaluka so Modric is 33 at the moment, 34 next year. That's how ages work.
0: <laughs> they go up, don't they? They do, yeah, every yeah. year. Run, run that by me again.
2: So his, his current age right. plus one year yeah. is yeah. his future age. But when? Next year. Right, okay. Once the earth has done a full rotation In of the, the sun, sun that's how, how works, long does yeah. that take? Uh, it's three hundred and sixty-five in a quarter days.
0: Is this true for everyone, or just Luka Modric? Mainly Luka Modric. Mainly him. Okay. So, oh, right.
2: okay. so what? To the player who, I mean, it's not a straight swap, but if you were, if you were looking at the the way that football used to be, when Modric was too old, Real Madrid would sell him to Italy, and they would look for a replacement. And the most most obvious replacement in terms of performance is probably Kevin De Bruyne. He has that same ability to define a game. He's got the range of passing. I am not saying they're exactly the same player, but in terms of influence on a game, that's who you look at. City have never been tested by one of the old elite in terms of keeping hold of a player. They've never been put in the position where they have to test whether they, they can retain the loyalty of a player. But it strikes me that City wouldn't sell. There isn't an, an, there isn't an amount of money that Real Madrid could get together to buy Kevin De Bruyne that would force City's hand. You might get... De Bruyne might. I would yeah, be surprised. He'll have to come from the, player. From the player. He yeah. might have to agitate. He, he doesn't strike me as the sort to do that. And City are good at keeping their players happy at Manchester City. Sterling was the one that they might... They look like they might risk losing and they've managed to get him to verbally agree new, a new contract. So you're not going to see the break-up of the squad because they want to go somewhere, somewhere else. They are young, as, as Chinch says. They should continue to get better. They have the money to replace anyone who doesn't improve. Mm-hmm. They have a coach that people want to play for. It's hard to see at what point City get weaker. theres There doesn't appear to be, in the near future, a natural end to this cycle.
0: And presumably with what they're putting in place, it's not Guardiola, is not what's happening to City with, with the academy with the way that they've developed um, the young players that they're trying to bring through as well if Guardiola steps away in say three four five years time would, will City carry on or will there be a major challenge the, the way the club are run under Guardiola is that how they will continue to run the club under somebody else you've got to have admiration
3: because he's the man that's pulling it all together mm. and there's evidence right now in other places Bayern for example he was desperate for Jupe even at, at the age he was at, to stay at the club for one more season to to help them transition forward a little bit. We've seen with Zinedine Zidane. Yes, there's a Ronaldo factor as well at Real Madrid. The kind of chaos that uh, that they suddenly find themselves in, and it's happened at, at Barcelona since Pep Guardiola has left, hasn't it? They've they've struggled to get the same sort of consistency with with a coach. Juventus were worried about what was going to happen when Antonio Conte left, but Max Allegri has come in there and. And if anything, actually improved on what Antonio Conte was doing. But the coach is still vitally important, cog in the machine. Mm. However much Pep is helped by the fact that he is able to go out and solve problems that many clubs wouldn't even consider exist by spending more money. you, you know, he, And he is able to stick true to his philosophy and the way he wants to do things because he doesn't have to make a compromise in any of that because he hasn't quite got the right player to do the job that he wants the player to do. He can simply go out and spend 40 or £50 million and make sure he's got exactly the right component for the team that he needs and that of course is one way in which what Manchester City are doing is different to perhaps other dominant teams that we've seen, certainly in the Premier League over the last 20 years. That they've not had to find alternative ways of adapting. Manchester United even had to do that during during their very, very dominant spell and you would look at the way that Chelsea beat City to the league in Antonio Conte's first season as being, well, that was a different approach because as a coach, he he realised that he didn't quite have at his disposal the players that he wanted to play the way that would have been his ideal. So he came up with a, a solution whilst Pep was still tinkering at City and, and, and that was incredibly admirable achievement for, for Conte and Chelsea. But Pep hasn't had to do that, but you still have to admire the way that he's He's the the architect who's who's pulled all the all the components together to make
2: sure that that it works, and not only that it works, but it works in the way that he wants it to. I think th- the point at which Pep leaves is probably when, certainly, it strikes me there's maybe two or three clubs in that top six who are thinking that's our next big chance. That obviously, it could be you know, City could get eleven injuries tomorrow, and it might all go horribly wrong, and they'd have to play with. With Nicholas Otamendi in goal or whatever, and that might that's that's the nature of football. He's, he's currently got a niggle; he's unavailable. Yeah, but he he would be an excellent goalkeeper. But the I think there's, if you look at Arsenal and Chelsea, who've both appointed appointed managers this year, who will be thinking in, in in a cyclical sense, Sarri and Emery, they will be thinking it will take two to three years for me to build the team that I want, to get it in my image to get everything working perfectly, which would mean that for twenty 2020, twenty 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 one. They should be at the peak of their cycle, and that is the first season when City might be post Pep.
0: So, did teams look at, at Manchester United under Alex Ferguson and maybe think the same thing? They were so dominant under him; they had to wait for him to leave before there was a possibility of challenging. I think the or was the it th- not, is it different under Guardiola? Is it so dominant now that it's different?
2: The thing with well, maybe maybe that that that's probably a parallel worth exploring because. I never felt... I certainly
0: think it is because I came up with that parallel yes. that's probably worth exploring. But it's
2: it's interesting because Ferdi was a figure... As long as Ferdi was at United, you felt that they were a contender for the title and probably the favourites, regardless of how great the Arsenal, Arsenal team was or the Mourinho Chelsea team. You always felt that that Ferdi's United were were going to be one of the leading contenders, if not the leading contender. And that was just of all the success they'd had. But there were still points throughout Ferdi's reign where you felt that United were not what they were the previous yeah. season. And whether, that, whether that's between, that kind of gap between '02 and... 02
1: after 2003.
2: After two, yeah, that gap after 2003, the transition from the Ronaldo-Runi Tevez team to his final team, the transition between the Pallister-Bruce team and the, the Class of 92 team, there were these gaps where you weren't quite sure whether United were going to be the, the dominant force mm-hmm. that they had been. And it may be that with City, we're just, we just so happen to be at the, the high point of the cycle. And in two years' time, it looks like this team has started to fade and does need a bit of, a bit of running repairs. And that's when you get your gap. I, to me, it's, it's likely to be when Guardiola goes, whether that's 2020 or 2021, that that's when teams think, this is now our chance. Because if it is Mikel Arteta who comes in to replace him, you don't know what he's going to be like. You don't know if he's going to be that good. You don't know if the players will respond to him in the same way. Yeah. Guardiola has always said that after a while, the voice the voice has to change but to an extent maybe the message has to change as well and if if Arteta goes in and is just if that is who replaces him is just repeating what Pep always said maybe the players will lose focus a little bit maybe they'll start to drift away maybe one or two will be like well I want to leave maybe when Sergio Aduero's sort of 31, 32 decides he doesn't want to be there anymore and City don't have that cutting edge of the striker just that Gabriel Jesus maybe isn't quite the the elite striker that, that he maybe could have been at this point so maybe the players who are twenty-two, twenty-three now don't develop in the way that they that they maybe are expected to. There are possibilities that it will end, but you wouldn't necessarily assume that that any of those will will struttle them because they have so many ways of resolving those problems.
1: You're talking about Sir Alex Ferguson over a period of twenty plus years, and you're picking out a three tran no, maybe four transitions that that had to happen. Pep's not going to be at City for twenty years. No. So it's a much smaller sample sample size. So you're you, you're not thinking about it stretching out for twenty years. So you're thinking about every moment that he is there, him having such a control over the Premier League that it makes it less than competitive. So the the, the two things are hard to compare because after Pep's been there for twenty years, maybe you have the yeah. same conversation.
3: Yeah. You, you you can look at Sir Alex Ferguson's reign with the benefit of hindsight, and you can also think about the times where those transitions came along, and of course United were were maybe signing one great player at a time to help keep them moving forward and obviously City have the resources to be able to sign two, three, four in a window if if they need to if something did happen that heads were turned and moves elsewhere and of course the other thing with United is that they did have a couple of you know kryptonite clubs during Fergie's reign you know Arsenal for a long time were very very viable candidates to pit them to the title and then Chelsea when Abramovich came in and and they started spending money. So there was competition, not saying that City haven't got competition, but there was at least always a sense that United were under pressure, even if they did canter away with things towards the end of seasons occasionally when the outcome seemed inevitable. The other thing he's saying about Pep and the possibility that him leaving might open the way for another club. Lots of City fans, (laughs) rightly or wrongly, believe he's around for the long haul that he, he could form a, a dynasty only time will tell whether that happens and the other thing with that in mind is yes that could happen, he could leave in 2020, 2021 and another club could could pounce on the opportunity but that's going to require an awful lot of cool calm heads at every level of those potential clubs will Jurgen Jür- will Klopp still be at liverpool if he feels as though do you know what this is not a level I'm, i have taken liverpool to their rec, you know their record points tally of the premier league era and have still finished 10 points behind manchester city what is the point in me sticking around i can do no more than i have done with the resources available to me I suppose in it's, fact, it's, yeah. it's
0: being patient and putting yourself in a position. If you yeah. want to stay for three, four, five years, then then Do, it,
1: But does uh, that can mean happen. giving up between now and then? No, no, no. no, 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 no. no, no, no I'm not, no, talking, no, I'm not no, talking about giving up. I'm just yeah. talking
0: about
3: other opportunities coming along for those sorts of people. Maurizio Sarri is doing a fantastic job at Chelsea, but he is not a young man. Oh. His great moments in terms of his coaching career have come a lot later in life than some of the other guys that we're talking about so will these so he clubs might, just yeah. be
0: forgotten however cl- well Klopp does or Sarri does they'll just be forgotten well so you said earlier because of City's dominance you that's, said earlier. that's all that this period of the Premier League will be just purely City nobody just,
3: else I, I, I'm just looking at a potentially really negative scenario in which those clubs that could
0: it's not be- like you Steve like I know you, I know they?
3: I'm generally a positive uh, out- outlook you've got a nice night. plate full of pizza in front of you. I me well, it's I've not got, all bad because I've, I've, I've not been able to eat quite as uh, readily as as you have been
0: yeah um <laughs> it tends to be when Rory speaks. We know we've got a couple of minutes. We can really can, run. But but
3: put yeah, our yeah, but our you can hold. In you the can trot. hold your breath for That's longer good, than I can. So you good just like thing.
2: Good thing. You said earlier, Chinch. Did I that perhaps City raising the bar would drag the the rising tide would lift all other multi-billion-dollar companies. <laughs> yes, and that the, the the other top six would would improve. To just just to keep pace with City, and that's probably true to an extent. I think that's probably right. I think it's already happening, isn't it? Yeah, you yeah. yeah. mentioned
1: yeah. the starts that Chelsea and Liverpool have had.
2: But there is a flip side to it, which is that City are distorting what we think success is. So they will come to the point. Let's 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 say this season, City win with 102 points, and Liverpool and Chelsea both get over 90 to finish second and third, which isn't impossible. They are on, but they are all on track to do that. Will Klopp then be criticised or Sarri criticised for finishing ten, ten, twelve points behind the lead leaders, because that's traditionally what would happen, yeah. especially given the outlay at Liverpool in particular. But I think in this context, you have to change what you what defines success. It, it almost as though the the points haul that each team gets has to stand alone, and you have to say, right, well, Mauricio Pochettino has taken Spurs to eighty four points that's a great season for Spurs, regardless of what the context of the league is.
1: And, and don't most teams set targets in that way yeah, to think, say, how the, many points do yeah. we win in a vacuum? I think yeah. privately yeah. they probably do. Yes, but that's what
2: I mean, but, privately. But fans naturally, and I think people within clubs as well, contextualise that and say, well, this can't be considered success because Man City have got 104 points or whatever. And I think that that is the, the big not on effect. that Steve's right, and you wonder whether the coaches will will want to stick around for quite as long if they, if they get the impression that there is a, a glass ceiling that they just can't break through because City are so powerful. And will owners keep putting money in as well? Owners. Yeah. Well that, that's what I mean so I don't think anyone's giving up and certainly if you look this season Liverpool have obviously identified this season as the season to go for it and you have to give them credit they believe they can take on City and beat them that's why they spent all that money on Allison and whoever else. Chelsea I suspect thought their success might come later but will have you know they've not lost any of their games They're 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 keeping pace with, with, with Man City two points behind. They will keep going. They won't give up. But I do wonder whether owners are starting to look at it and think, right, we'll, we'll make a managerial change now, as as Arsenal and Chelsea both did, because in two or three years' time, when the City cycle might be ending or dipping, we're in a that, then that might be the opening, and we will be peaking at that time. And I think clubs do think strategically like that. They're not saying, well, look, if it gets to April and we're within three points of top, we're just going to play the reserves... Just see, just we don't want to win the year, the title this year. They will obviously try and win it this yeah. year, but the the aim is to build towards a crescendo when they feel the crescendo will be lower. So I think that there are those knock on effects. Fans will have to adjust their expectations. That the fans will have to understand, and the the media, even more importantly, will have to understand that that not winning the league and finishing fifteen points behind the lead the champions can be an excellent achievement if the champions have got one hundred and two points. You can't fault a team for only dropping twenty points over the course of a season. The, there is a knock on effect lower down as well which is the... we'll, we'll come on to that because yeah.
1: we're just going to
0: come Can I ask in us there. about the, the the 90 point thing in normal seasons getting that many points would would we need a title most Nin- 90, plus yeah. Yeah, 90 plus yeah generally mid 80s we'd do but it but fans are going to say what well, well, we we've done this but actually City, we're way behind. They're judging themselves on the 10-point gap, not the 90 points that that they've they've accrued.
3: And much to the disgruntlement of Manchester United fans, the club hierarchy are making no secret whatsoever of the fact that they don't have to win silverware to achieve their financial goals. Doing just enough to get into the top four is already a sort of mood that prevails at Old Trafford to a certain extent. And if that was to creep in at Arsenal, Chelsea... Tottenham, Liverpool as well, which is on not beyond... no, but, on it, it, but if you're if you're saying, look, there's there's nothing we can do mm. to win the league. Yeah. So why continue to try and do that or even stay in the game mm. as far into the season as we can do? Let them have let City have the Premier League trophy. All we need to do is make sure that there's out of those five horses also involved yeah. in the race for Champions League football, we need to make sure we finish amongst the top
1: three. Rory, you were going to talk about uh, the effect of Manchester City's dominance on those not contending for the Mm. title. Um, So, for example, if you look at the bottom of the Premier League, as we are recording in this week, uh, beginning the 5th of November, Mm. just don't forget it, um, is that the teams who have double-digit negative goal difference, they have all... Been beaten by Manchester City, so there is a knock-on effect. Now I appreciate every team plays them twice, but at this stage, you can see the havoc that has been caused uh, by Manchester City. Not all of them have been at Manchester City. One of them is Cardiff, and they've played them away from home, so that, that's still to come. But there are these clearly these issues that spread beyond just the top five or six.
2: Well, so I think just as the the, the top six have got to get used to the idea that success might something. That there might be genuine success in something that doesn't look like or feel traditionally like success, the bottom fourteen have got to. will have to appreciate that their the way the lead has now been changed by this this Manchester City driven kind of upward surge is going to have an effect on them as well in terms of their points totals, in terms of their goal difference, in terms of their expectations of certain games. You, it, it feels much more like everyone is going to the big teams as teams used to go to Old Trafford where you, you kind of feel as though everyone's kind of thinking if we get away with 2-0 this is, that's not a bad day's work.
1: And that's exactly what Chris Hewton thought because when they went 2-0 down they weren't thinking about 2-1 they were thinking about making sure it stayed at 2. Yeah. And he has gone out of that game being able to sell it to his fans saying, look, 2-0 Southampton have just been beaten as we record this 6-1 that's a harder sell. Yeah. Now, Southampton tried a lot harder and had a lot more chances yeah, yeah. against City than Brighton did. But the enduring negative of that is stronger for Southampton than it is for Brighton, who didn't try and came away with two and their heads relatively yeah. held high. And you've, you've endured it. And
2: I, I think there might come a point later in the season where you've, you've got lots of games back to back around Christmas or, or kind of later in the year, sort of March time, where where managers might start putting weakened teams out in Aidsman City they might just say right, like, write it off Not they,
1: they, they don't want to suffer a, a a mentally damaging defeat which is I think what Chris Hute was thinking yeah. there could be a situation that if we were to be beaten 5-6-0 that that would Give us so much of a self-esteem issue that we're worried about what effect that will have in future yeah, games. That's true. So to lose two 0 is to say we have come away unscathed, and that retains a sense of confidence that is useful in the games that matter more than Manchester City.
2: The more more pertinent, I think, is the fact that increasingly that's applying to Liverpool and Chelsea and Arsenal and Spurs as well. That teams are not. And not necessarily going into those games thinking, here is our plan for winning this game. There is. They, they will have a plan to try and score, they will have a plan to try and expose weaknesses. But the psychological impression is very much, we will get through this and then we will see what happens against the teams we can beat. That is fine and makes total sense. And I think clubs will understand that at the bottom, I think they always look in the context of the table. So if you've got five points after 15 games but so do three other teams, then you're not going to panic as, as, as much as you would if it was just yourself. And that, that's always been, been the way at the bottom. I think the bitter worry there is the fans. How how long do fans keep watching if City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs and United are just smashing everybody every week? And the only games that matter at the top of the table are the games between those clubs because everything else is inherently predictable. Arsenal drew at Palace a couple of weeks ago and it felt like a... Maybe not a shock, but not far off that the, you know Arsenal had dropped points. And that's what Watford are the only team to have, from outside the the traditional top six, who've played any member of of the top six, apart from Manchester United, and beaten them. That's extraordinary. We're Mm. a third of the way through the season. Uh,
3: There was an, I think, I'm right in saying that City-Southampton game. There was a little bit of evidence of that sort of apathy amongst supporters because I don't think there was anything like as many Southampton fans at the Etihad Stadium for that game as there had been for City-Southampton games in previous seasons. Southampton were beaten 2-1 at the Etihad the season before. And there was a, a lot more... Many more supporters have made the journey from the south coast than did. And it wasn't for, a daytime this, game either. Yeah, exactly. Because oh, actually, do you know what? Think- and, and at the risk of infuriating City fans, there are certain games away from home that smaller club supporters will accept that they are likely to lose and might lose heavily... But there are iconic venues to visit during the course of a season. So a trip to Old Trafford, a trip to Anfield, a trip to St. James's Park, to use another example, are those away days where you think, do you know what, I'm making the effort because those are great, historic football venues and only I only get an opportunity to go at most once a season. The Etihad Stadium is not currently one of those. So as well as, as, well as expecting that your team is going to be on, you know, if all things, if everything goes according to plan, your team's going to be on, receiving end of a heavy beating you're not even getting a day out at a historic venue where it's worth that gamble that the memories of a win at Old Trafford Mm. we you know you might win once at Old Trafford in 20 years but you will go every year for 20 years just to to make sure you're there for that one and I don't think the Etihad has quite the same trickle effect
1: the bricks and mortar absolutely not but we Andy and I spent some time uh, together before the City of Southampton. I didn't game. want to, but I felt You didn't want to, right, I just basically. Just did money change yeah. hands? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it did. Or actually. should have done yeah. it. Yeah. I got you in a bear hug and didn't let you go for two hours. Um, but we were also having a conversation with Ed Chamberlain, ITV Racing presenter, but also former. Soccer Sunday Monday Night Football presenter and therefore Chinch's old pal Um, he is a (laughs) Southampton supporter and he doesn't live in the area but he brought his son to the game because he said you are watching one of the teams of your lifetime even though he was uh, 10, 11, 12 something that that sort of age he said you will be watching here something incredibly special so yes the bricks and mortar Mm. don't bring that but there is a sense that you are watching a special team now I appreciate that emotionally that doesn't carry as much weight because they don't seem like the team of the generation when they're spanking your team and it's hard to watch, but there is at least an element of wanting to do that in a way that perhaps the bricks and mortar can never do, but those other teams around, around the place but this, don't provide the, but same, the
3: same way. The other thing about Manchester City at the moment is if, if you wanted to take your offspring to go and witness City's brilliance, that's generally possible to do so. You could buy a ticket for a city game and say, do "You yes, know what?" If you,
1: if you live two hundred miles away, you're going to go and watch your team and not just going to travel to Manchester. Yeah,
3: but I'm, I'm, but but it's it's not as though this is my one opportunity a season to go to Old Trafford. If you wanted to, if you want to go and experience that brilliance, and I urge you to do so because watching City in the flesh is a phenomenal thing to do. But the chances are you will be able to get a ticket. You won't have to wait until your team is. Is the away team? It's 4 fact, mile down. Yeah, yeah. You, so you don't have to go. You can go without experience, the pain. Yeah, yeah, you have to go without experiencing the humiliation. Go on a Champions League night. Yeah. Go and watch City against Leon. Go to, and watch City against Shakhtar. To be fair, you can do that. at Old Trafford
2: at the moment as well. You're yeah, yeah, always here. Yeah, yeah. But Old I, I, I was comparing without, it w- without the greatness. But I was comparing it to. Yeah, because to you want United's to go and pin. sit
1: in that famous old stadium and watch that. Yeah, yeah.
2: Comparing it to United's era of dominance. This is about, one of yeah, just yeah. several hundred chances to, to watch Chris Smalling. <laughs> I,
1: I, I don't took, pass it up.
0: I, I took Primrose along, granddaughter Primrose, for yes. her first game, wanting her to witness the excellence and she the, the footballing domination of Man City. But I tried to. There's the pitch. Watch the lads play. She just put her foot in her mouth and stuck a carrot up her nose. <laughs> she wasn't particularly. So uh, there's work to do still yet for Pep to win over the younger generation. The primroses of this world. Yes, <laughs> yes. So if he thinks he's the finished article, think again. And <laughs> that thi- cardigan he had on, what was it? The thing is that... Chin- Chinch,
1: by the way, was in a box for the occasion. Took no, 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 family, no. Took Chinch was put in a box. Chinch was put in the box <laughs> yes, and told to shut up. <laughs> yes. Which, yeah. which happened as A weekly occurrence on this podcast. <laughs> I should say, commentary <laughs> position. At the family were in a box alongside Keith Hill. Yes,
0: Keith Hill, yes. Of Rochdale and then at the end of the game, John Stones came up to have a chat with Keith Hill because they were together at Barnsley. Okay, yes. And then wonderfully, John Andy Stones... And he was also there. Yes, <laughs> and I was there. I said, hi, John. And then he took Keith Hill's little lad out onto the pitch and had a kick around with him. Did, that did right? you, I thought John, that was wonderful Did John Stones, Stones immediately yes. know
1: who you were and your position in the, 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 we, the pantheon of the We Cubs had history. a manly
0: handshake. I said, hi, John. And he said, hi. Clearly didn't know who <laughs> I was. John Stones did
2: a, a Wednesday night. Uh, a Wednesdayite. Yeah, he's a Wednesday, Is he not a Wednesday fan? I don't. Know,
0: uh, I assume he's
1: Barnsley. I thought he was a Barnsley boy. He
0: played at Barnsley. Then no, he played at Barnsley, but yeah, I. think No, I'm not sure. Well, if he is, then clearly I was probably
2: his hero. I would say almost certainly. Almost certainly, you or yeah, the he, in the yeah, years yeah. that he was like two and three, or Petter Rudy, <laughs> or it, gosh, said Sadowska.
1: Gosia Sadowska. To 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 complete this conversation by putting some. Depressingly true, but cold hard facts in there that, that Manchester City's dominance is exactly as Manchester City planned. Yes. If you are running a company, running a football club, if you have an element of competition to the uh, the the understanding of your success, City are getting it right. Yes. They are performing exactly in the way that anybody would want them to perform. They are being successful. It's the element of football of, of the the unknown and the mystery that. That's the reason we love the game, but the whole reason that you put everything in place is to try and take that mystery away and try and guarantee as much success as you possibly can. Some of that guarantee comes from incredible wealth of uh, the Abu Dhabi United group, understandably, but also some of that dominance comes from the decisions that you make and making those decisions correctly more often than incorrectly. So if you are a fan of any club, you dream for the halcyon days of having your club make the kind of decisions that City have managed to make at least consistently enough to provide this level of dominance at this stage who knows what decisions are going to be made in the future but if you are and and I flippantly mentioned the Manchester City fans at the beginning of this conversation they don't care and they are still nervous about losing every game that they should win they are just as human and just as 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 Manchester City as they ever were so yes they're enjoying it and they are aware of the incredible football that they are very very lucky to watch but they put that in the context of what has happened before Mm. which has been at times um, very often very difficult to bear so put all that in and you come out of it saying yes it is difficult for the rest of the league but there is an element of saying well does it really matter because surely time will be the victor and time will pass and things will change and let them enjoy themselves to a certain degree
3: Everything you said is another thing, another example of how it does Why you affect. Hate me. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm mildly fond of you. Of how it affects it the like teams in the bottom half of the table, because whilst they obviously can see the joy that it's bringing Manchester City fans, and City fans should enjoy it, and you know what? If there's a group of fans who've had to live through adversity after adversity, and deserve a little bit of football joy as we've previously discussed then it is city fans who at times still revert to type and can't believe what they're witnessing but the different another difference between city and other teams that have dominated is i think there is a greater jealousy from fans of clubs in the the lower half mm. of the table because you know, when Chelsea got the influx of money from Roman Abramovich, they had finished fourth the season before. They were regulars in the the top six. They were they were getting into the Champions League already. That was the thing that just nudged them a little bit further forward. Whereas, of course, before the Abu Dhabi money came into City, they'd finished ninth. Uh, they'd had sort of 15th and 16th, uh, four, uh, 14th, 15th and 16th placed finishes in the seasons that immediately came before that one. So there is that just in, that sort of you won the lottery and now no one else can catch up and because you've won the lottery that decreases the chances of something similar happening for my team so there is a whilst whilst there was an envious glance towards Old Trafford and Anfield during their periods of dominance I think that the jealousy runs a little bit deeper for those other clubs who were not the clubs that were plucked from relative obscurity and thrust to the very top of the tree.
1: It doesn't disqualify you from having an influx of cash that you are not already one of the top four or six clubs no, of course it they doesn't. would say and also they would say to all those teams who are jealous it could happen to you the whole lottery thing it could be you the, the point remains is that Manchester City were plucked. It could have been Newcastle. It was very nearly Newcastle. They decided to go to Manchester City because it was a favourable stadium situation and they were able to... Um, it was, yeah, again, cold and hard. They thought that was the better investment. They appreciated the, the, the footballing history of the city as well. Not that Newcastle doesn't have a storied footballing history. So, it could be It could be you. It's not likely to be Burnley, is it?
2: But to be, and to be fair, Hugh, they've changed the lottery slogan. It's and not, it, yes, it's not, no, it could was, be you. It's now, it's please, not them.
1: <laughs> oh, yes, so it Yes, is. and it includes Piers Morgan. <laughs>
2: Which actually brings us is, to... <laughs> is a damning indictment of how this country's changed.
1: It has changed. So much. Changed so much. So much. But is it ruining everything?
2: Is Britain ruining everything? Yeah. <laughs> Find out next week on Set Peace <laughs> Menu.
1: It is time for Nevermind Jack and Ori, What a Soccer Story. This is what Andy tells the tale from his playing days of all adult behaviour and libel worthy details removed. I, I am worried
0: about starting a. Podcast war with with what I'm going to talk about now. Oh dear, um, there is a Robbie Savage. Is, 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 no, no, it's not Robbie Savage. there's another footballing podcast called Quickly Kevin. Kevin. Yeah. yeah. Now is Josh Widdicombe part of this? Josh chicanery? is a presenter because on he has mentioned Kevin. something in in the podcast. Someone sent me a little snippet of, of what they were talking about, and I brought the item that they were talking about.
1: Oh, is that right? So this is
0: like... Oh, one of, the, one of the coins has fell out. Oh, right. Bit of a clue there. <laughs> this is like a footballing Magna Carta, this, really. Just remember, we're an audio can medium. Describe, put, Can describe, you put um, uh, snooker refereeing gloves on before you handle this? Because this is a quite extraordinary thing. Not many people, understandably, have <laughs> this.
3: <laughs> or want to No, Steve, that. I think oh, they do oh, want okay.
0: it. They do want it. I found it in the loft... <laughs> And so you didn't want now, to have it now. What this is of the is, British Museum? Uh, no, the loft of my house oh, okay. in Woodford, uh, the official England squad medal collection, 1998. Oh, now, Josh Willickham was talking about this collection of coins here because they were. It was produced, of course, of the 1998 World Cup, and the mighty chinch was one of the the fine coins that was produced. You can see my likeness there. It's, it's they are like Roman Roman coins with footballers heads on them, they are quite accurate. They yeah, that really accurate. looks like it's been
3: struck with precision at the Royal Mint. It really does, pitch. doesn't
0: it? But they—they they was laughing, Josh Williams, saying, oh, okay, if the career that you've had... Would this be the highlight of my career? Having this would mean more to me than... It. Clearly, he didn't know that I single-handedly won the 1995 <laughs> FA Cup and the Charity Shield, Josh, and also made seven amazing... Appearances for England. But they were saying, is this, would this be the pride and joy in my collection at home? And when I got it down and I compared it to my FA Cup winners medal, I actually do quite like this. I think it is it is tremendous. But I'm not sure if it's just me that was omitted from the final squad that did go to the World Cup are there other people on there roy that because clearly i didn't go so forget well you me. know who didn't didn't go um is is uh, dion dublin no. phil neville phil neville's on there so Phil Neville's on there phil oh neville, neville. No. phil neville and i next to each other that maybe he tells died. a story but he clearly died. is this sainsbury's was this sponsored by yes it is sainsbury's? sainsbury's and sainsbury's, yeah. i'm sure there was um a petrol
1: station version of this i'm sure texaco was, yeah. or shell yeah
0: so clearly this was very popular at the so time
1: i would like you to explain this is a book where it's booklet. A, a booklet a yes. booklet it looks like a match day program of some sort but you just yeah. open it out to reveal a cardboard base yes and a, and a beautiful soft soft focus umbro shirt yes um, and there are a couple of pages before you get to this cardboard base where it gives very much a great deal of context <laughs> and uh, builds itself up no doubt uh, but when you eventually get to the cardboard um cut out for the coins yeah um you have got every coin. Now, is that because you fastidiously collected all of those coins by filling up your uh, petrol a great deal? Or were you, as a peripheral squad member, Given, given the book, I was a peripheral squad member. I was a squad
0: member and who then was left out unceremoniously omitted from the final squad <laughs> along with the luminaries like Dion Dublin, um, Phil Neville. You know Gaza. 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 Is Gaza, in is there? Gaza, Gaza in there. must be in there. You were only must you were only left there. out
3: to keep order on, on the
2: there. on the, on the He's plane He's home. There. There. I, I think from so, so, absolutely yes. I think I have to. the story about Gaza. There is a section in this. Is there? Uh, The Road to France, in Mm. which it has the teams of all the the players who played in the qualifiers. Uh, Andy Hintzliff played in the first three qualifiers. I would suggest, in fact, that it was partly his presence that enabled England to get off to such a great start Mm. and survive the ramifications of the defeat at Wembley to Italy, in which Andy Hintzliff did not feature.
0: Yes, but I was brought back into the squad. Again, Glenn Hoddle. What a lovely man! Bringing me back into the squad, doing some one-on-one <laughs> coaching, which I've mentioned on a previous yes, story, trying to get me have. to kick with my right foot. That was a bit odd, <laughs> but I, I was. I think all the all the all the guys must have been given one of these because that, I I wouldn't clearly have c- collected all this. Just love I? the idea. And there'd always be one missing. There'd always be a coin missing. So all the coins are there. So they must have just been given to me, completely finished. I've then put it straight into the loft. <laughs> <laughs> um, but obviously, all these lads went on to play at the World Cup, and some of them were fairly big names, so they probably don't still have this. Where, yes, Josh Whittingham, this does mean a lot to me. But yes, it you've it only just realized does. that in the
1: like the last two weeks. Yes, after because it was I challenged. forgot it was up in the.
0: Have you the read loft.
2: Glenn Hoddle's pen pick of you? Oh, what does he
0: say? What does he say yeah. about so, me? You yeah, glow, I can't do the honours.
2: Graham Leslow's absence through injury
3: gave Andy Hinchcliffe the chance to break <laughs> through into the England set up for the Moldova game. And even though Graham is now back, Andy continues to be, crucially, an important member of the squad. Yeah. His great asset is, of course, team his left foot, oh, yeah. which he often uses to devastating effect from corners, crosses and free kicks. But he can defend well, too, <laughs> and has a powerful
0: long throw-in. There it is. <laughs> there we go. How did I not go? How
3: with, did with, I not
2: with go? With that sort of ringing endorsement. <laughs>
0: Come on now. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. ridiculous that I didn't go. But that's what I'm left with. I got so close, so close out in La Manga to an, an, an England World Cup squad. And I'm left with the Sainsbury's coin collection. <laughs> and rightly, it has a place in my heart...
1: Roy, now. who are you reading about now? Who are you it's reading even, about even now? Even better is
2: the pen picture of Gaza, And okay. obviously, <laughs> Len, Len Hoddle's not well at the moment, so we shouldn't mark.
1: But, but why don't we read the Gaza? Um, pen pick as we uh, make our exit from yeah, people's fine. lives uh, because otherwise we'll get so enamoured with it all we'll end up reading out about 26 of them This is just the next
2: episode of me reading this
3: Chinch, uh, Ch- is, is this whole situation, is this sort of comparable to how Newcastle fans feel about the Abu Dhabi money going to Manchester City <laughs> yeah, instead? Bit, yeah. You could have gone to a World Cup yes. and instead you're left with the
0: Sainsbury's coin
3: collection. Yeah, it's like bullseye, isn't it? Here's
0: what you could have won, the speedboat, live on a council estate in, in Oldham.
1: Just love the idea of the, <laughs> the, the, the Fiat Tipo drawing up to the, uh, the petrols, the Texaco petrol station going in and somebody giving him the Andy Hinchcliffe coin because he spent 20 quid and him going, yes! (laughs) I've got Finally Complete! Because they were very rare. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thank you, Andrew. We leave you with a reminder of how to get in touch with the podcast at setpiecemenu or setpiecemenu at gmail.com facebook.com forward slash setpiecemenu. Please subscribe, share, rate, review and vote as we humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule and also vote. Uh, thank you to Steve, Rory and Andy. Thank you to you all for listening. We'll be back with another setpiece menu for you to enjoy very soon indeed. And now
0: Rory Smith reads from the Saints so, <laughs> so
1: this is a slightly cloth-headed So man. So this is <laughs>
2: This is Glenn Hoddle, who's not well, and we wish him the best. Yes, we did. He's, he's, he's improving. Yes, yes he's improving.
0: I spoke to Clive Allen about him, and he's doing particularly uh, well.
2: Uh, his pen pit, his view from the bench on Paul Gascoigne, who famously did not go to the 1998 World Cup. More has been written and said about Jazz's character than probably any player in England's history. Fine, Glenn. Absolutely great point. But no matter what people think, Paul's natural, natural gifts are still highly prized and widely respected among his fellow professionals. Fine. He won't need any motivation from us for France. Because he won't be there. (laughs) He knows only too well that this World Cup will be his last chance to earn the sort of acclaim which his unpredictable genius merits. We hope he takes it. Although not that much, because you omitted him from the squad. (laughs) On his day, there is still no finer or more exciting match winner in the world, apart from the 23 people (laughs) who who were included in your squad ahead of him. Uh, I also like the the start to the David Batty section. Although he might not enjoy universal admiration, comma. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Gaffer.
1: It's like Andy's which says, because of Graeme Lesseau being injured, Did, yes. yeah. I had, to pick I had this no nugget.
2: one else to pick. Steve McManaman, uh, even so, he's an exceptional individualist and it would be wonderful to see him doing for us. What he seems to have done so often for Liverpool, as though he's not trying for England. <laughs> and obviously, fantastically, the first sentences on the first sentence on Paul Ince, which is just, hyphen the governor <laughs> Speaks for himself, really. He does, Just he gave himself that nickname. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing you in this sort of company, it does make me think that we should treat you with a little bit more respect
0: than we inter- do I'm you. not sure I ever fitted in. With, uh, y- you know me very well, and I felt out of place. Did and you feel as though you should have been called the governor?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 what nickname that I have had? It. The corner the uh, er uh, <laughs> uh, If it is the, the, uh, uh, the governor, were you the administrative support?